Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Hi, Ryan. My name is Suzanne, and I live part-time in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and part-time in Memphis, Tennessee, and I appreciate you letting me tell my story today. I was about six or seven years old, which would have been in 1966 or 67, and my grandmothers lived in a tiny town in Arkansas, not too far from Little Rock. They lived a two-block zigzag from each other, and I was so excited because they finally decided that I was mature enough and responsible enough to walk alone between their houses instead of them taking me back and forth. And for me, a really responsible kid, this was really a big deal. I was uh, proud of the new freedom and I intended to be very responsible with it. So one sunny morning in the summer at about 10 a.m., I left one grandmother's house for the other grandmother's house. And just as I was about to make my first turn off of the busiest street on the track, there was a deafening and chest-rattling roar and an enormous object, literally city blocks long, so wide that you could not see where it ended on either side of the street. It flew directly overhead, very close to the ground, and it scared me terribly. I watched horrified, thinking that this was an airplane that was crashing, because at this young age, I'd never seen underneath a plane, so the fact that it was covered in multicolored lights meant literally nothing to me, and neither did I have any reference at all for a UFO or an alien craft. But I was just frozen in fear on this street corner, and I crouched to the ground quickly, covering my ears, but watching it pass very, very slowly. And then I stood up, still covering my ears, and I was bracing, basically, for a huge explosion that I knew was going to happen when this plane crashed. But nothing happened. Literally nothing. No cars stopped, no pedestrians paused, no one seemed to notice anything, not even this terrified little girl standing on the street corner in tears, and obviously there was no explosion. 
I was shaking from head to toe, finally pulled myself together and raced back to the grandmother that I just left. And I was trying to calm myself down before I got there because I was scared to tell her that this scary thing had happened because the grandmothers might talk again and, and re-decide that I could not go between their houses and I'd lose this newly acquired privilege that I really liked. Uh, but the fear over what had just happened was greater than the fear of losing the privilege, so I told her. Um, she just listened intently. She was obviously concerned, but said she had heard and seen nothing, and it was just unimaginable to me that they had heard nothing. Uh, but she, I made her promise that if she heard about a plane crash, she would tell me so that I could resolve what I'd seen um, and heard and felt. She promised that she would, and I raced out the door to the other grandmother's house before the first grandmother could tell me that I couldn't. And I did the very same thing with the other grandmother, who had to have heard what I had heard, but she didn't. And I just couldn't understand it. It was so big and so loud and so close. It literally rattled my body. And for decades, I you know, went to back to the memory of it, trying to make sense of it and figure it out. In the 90s, um, I considered UFOs being an answer when I first read about them, but I continually discounted that explanation because the UFO experiencers all described their incidences as so silent while mine was deafening and chest rattling. And then, of course, once the internet was out, I would often search for 1966 or 1967 Arkansas plane crashes, all to no avail. Had I just not properly understood what had happened? Was I just too little? I just didn't know. I just couldn't figure it out. But earlier this month, while on vacation overseas, I started a newly released book that um, was telling the stories of experiencers of alien abductions and alien encounters. And the first two stories in this newly released book were absolutely identical to mine, but in different locations. It literally took my breath away. I sat in stunned silence, realizing that I wasn't alone in this bizarre experience, that the facts of my experience were not merely childhood misconceptions or misunderstandings, that there was possibly an understandable explanation for what happened to me, and that I might actually be able to let this thing rest in my heart and mind after all these years, um, which oddly I, I have done. Um, and for this ability to finally lay down the inquiry, I am so overwhelmingly grateful, despite not really knowing what it was, right? I don't, I can't tell you that it was this or that. And yet, just knowing there's a plausible explanation out there that makes sense has brought tremendous relief and also encouraged me to finally tell my family about what had happened. And luckily, they were very supportive about it. So this story is not only for me, but it's also for people like you who tell the stories of others because I want you to know how important it is to do this. When you tell those other people's stories or allow them to tell their stories, you just might be giving a gift to another human who has spent decades wondering about what happened to her. So thank you, Ryan. I sure appreciate it. Hello, Ryan. My name is Tim. 
I'd like to tell you about my UFO event. Not sure how accurate the memory is. It's uh, from 1975-76. I'm 51, and it happened in central Wisconsin, just outside of Stevens Point. Um, I can show you on a map if you're interested. Um, uh, I was in a car with my father, and we were leaving my uh, grandmother's house, and we were just outside the city right before, we used to call it Custard Hill, and it's kind of this low um, plain area. The hill isn't very big, but as a child, everything seems large. And we were driving on Highway 10, which was a two-lane at the time. It's now a four-lane. It's not called that anymore. Um, and it, we came across this farm field because it's Wisconsin. There's a lot of cornfields, and we we're. I'm pretty sure it was in in um, late summer, early fall. Um, and I remember, I'm pretty sure I was in kindergarten because, you know, mathematically wise, that's, it kind of works out. Um, so we're coming and passing between these fields and we noticed, um, God, all these little orbs, these orange, reddish orange orbs floating around. Um, you might think they were fireflies, but they're about, I don't know, from like maybe a muskmelon to a basketball size. Um, yeah, just zipping around. They were kind of spectacular. There was a lot of them. I, I don't have a notion of how many, but there was quite a few in the air, zipping around just above the car, you know, weaving in and out of these. Um, there was a row of trees uh, between the, the highway and this farm field. And then, so we slowed down because, you know, that's what you would do. <laughs> and we slowed down and there were, the memory is foggy here because I remember other cars that have pulled over. And I remember my dad pulled over and he's like looking out the window and I'm looking out the window and we're slowed down almost to a crawl. And there was this object above just slightly to the right of this farmhouse it was huge just a gigantic black um, trident shaped object hovering in the air and it was like it was big it was just massively large and you know it took up a giant chunk of the sky and it was I remember it having some lights but not as bright as the little lights um, maybe windows or, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't know. Um, I remember it having three very large prongs sticking off the back of it. And, uh, you know, they were all attached to this central area. And it was just hovering there, silent. Um, and I remember having the windows down. Um, and there was, there was nothing, you know, it was just complete silence. And I was kind of like you know enthralled at the time and 
And I remember my dad, I think he got spooked because we just took off. And I remember, like right before we left, all those little orbs, they all compressed into one right behind this object. They all flew into this one orb. They made this red orb. This and it was bigger than than just, you know, the than the little ones. And then that orb went into the three prongs sticking out of the back of this um, ship thing um, and it it just bolted it took off and then and then my dad like you know floored it and we were in the f- first iteration of a Chevy Chevette um, and you know that I remember my dad rabbiting pretty quick and I think he was pretty um, shaken my dad always smoked so he was like smoking like a chimney um, and here's why I'm pretty sure this is not just like my imagination. I remember going into my, and I think it was on a Sunday. This, this happened on a Sunday because that Monday morning, and I'm pretty sure memory-wise, I think it was, you know, it would be a Monday. We used to do these things in kindergarten called um, show and tell. So I, um, I wanted to tell my, my story about, you know, what we saw with my dad. And I remember standing in front of the class and telling them pretty close to what I just told you. And the teacher asked me what the shape of the, the UFO was. And I said it was shaped like a chicken's foot. And everybody laughed. And I was mortified, you know. It was the first time I experienced embarrassment in front of a, a group of people. And the teacher laughed at me. And she said, and this is burned into my memory, are you sure it wasn't saucer shaped? And I'm like, I was like, I went back to this thing was shaped like a chicken's foot. I didn't know what a trident was at the time. I was in kindergarten trying to figure out what the color blue was. So yeah, there, that's my story. Um, and yeah, I was pretty embarrassed. Um, I had much regret after telling that story at the time. Um, but now, you know, I kind of, I just don't give a shit about much anymore. So <laughs> I, I feel compelled to tell it. So I've been telling more people and trying to um, talk about it more. And um, that's pretty much it. Um, I had some... Um, strange things memories from my childhood i used to have night terrors and and some other stuff that happened um yeah i honestly it's like when you look at your childhood um maybe it was just imagination i don't know anyway ryan that's um that's my story and i'm gonna stick with it thanks uh thanks for listening The Somewhere in the Skies podcast is free to listen to every week, but if you would like to help support the show, we have a very active Patreon page where you give what you think the show is worth. In return, you'll get early access to the main show, bonus episodes, and priority to ask our guests your listener questions. 
Your support truly makes the show continue and grow. So, to learn more and to join, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. All of us have busy lives these days. Whether it's work, family, friends, relationships, or even social media, it can begin to weigh down on you in unexpected ways. But you don't have to carry that weight alone. Therapy is something I highly support. Having someone to talk to can truly help you navigate the challenges in your life set boundaries, learn new coping skills, and help you become the best version of yourself possible. If you are thinking of starting therapy, BetterHelp is there for you right now. Completely online, BetterHelp is not only convenient and flexible, but your therapist will work with your schedule. By filling out a quick questionnaire, you'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And if needed, you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash skies today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash skies. Hey Ryan, my name is Mike and I wanted to tell you about something I experienced. At the time of this experience, it was about 1996 or 97. I lived in a small town about 30 minutes west of Columbus, Ohio. And if you traveled from my town an extra hour, hour and a half, you would of course eventually uh, run into Wright Pat Air Force Base. At this time, I worked a second shift job in Columbus, Ohio, getting off about 1130 at night. And everybody at my job and myself, we noticed uh, at, in the westward really direction towards Wright Pat, we would see three lights in the sky. 
They were bigger than the stars, brighter than any of the stars, and they didn't flash or have any airplane lights or anything like that. And all three lights would move in the same pattern in the sky. And this happened every night for about two weeks. Um, we all wondered what they were, but being about myself and the group of friends I had at my job, when we were in our early 20s, our minds were elsewhere, let's just say. Um, but one night, it was really nice out, it was clear, it was warm, no clouds in the sky, no wind, and the moon was so bright, um, it would actually cast a shadow of you on the ground when you were outside. I'm guessing it was a full moon, but I never really paid that much attention to that other than it was very bright. So this night, I decided instead of going down Interstate 70, the most direct way home, I would take the back roads. So I got in the car and rolled the windows down, turned the radio up, and decided to take the back roads home. Um, it was a more of an entertaining drive for me. And I paid close attention to the lights at this point, uh, especially driving slow and having to pay more attention to where I was going on these back roads. So I got a brilliant idea that I was going to attract the lights. Now I'll tell you a little bit about the lights. So if you're looking out of your windshield, there were three lights. Um, what I called light number one was on the left side uh, of your windshield. Um, and it would uh, travel up what I what looked like to me to be straight up in the air. And it would get to a certain point. It would rotate to its right and then travel down a parallel path, get close to the horizon and would rotate um, to its to the opposite direction and it would travel up. So basically it was going slowly up and down in a paperclip like fashion. Light number three was on the very right side of the the uh, your field of view out of your windshield, and it did the same thing, you know, up and rotate, come down, rotate and go up. I don't remember the lights doing this in unison, so one light may have been going up and the other light may have been going down. I don't remember that much detail. But light number two was the weird one. Um, it started on the left near where light number one stopped and turned back up it, it would started there it would go straight across the horizon right right to the point where light number three did its turn to come back up light number two would travel left to right and it would turn down slightly towards the horizon more and disappear and then a second or maybe a second and a half later would appear on the left side and it would rotate up and travel back and back to the right so basically it was doing the same type of uh, travel I guess you can say as the other lights but the exception it was at the bottom towards the horizon and it was going left to right and then right to left and with the exception that once it traveled left to right and it started to travel back right to left it would disappear entirely and reappear a second or two later on the left side so you had light one going up and down, light three going up and down on the opposite side of your field of view, and light number two would travel left and start to travel right, disappear on the left side again, and then travel right, start to turn left, disappear, appear on the left side and travel right. So all three of these lights 
or or making this these patterns so i thought being in my early 20s and knowing everything about the world of course that i would flash my bright lights and try to attract these lights to me so every time i would turn in their general direction or, or west i would travel as far as i could westwardly and just flash my bright lights back off and on off and on off and on um it was then about 20 minutes into my drive home that i noticed light number three on the right side started to get bigger um i took that as saying or thinking that it was coming towards me so i noticed as the light got bigger it started to get turn into a shape of sorts so i found on my way home driving through the country uh, i found a area where it was a lot of openness not a lot of trees um, and the fields have had been taken so that's why i'm saying it was probably late august early september because there were no crops in any of the fields so everything was just wide open trees here and there and a couple of telephone poles here and there that was mostly it um, so I found this road that I pulled off on and there was a big open field in front of me and it had one of those roads that the farmers build from the main road into their field so they can get their tractors on. Um, I pulled out or I pulled into this road and pointed my car directly west towards these lights. Um, my brain just automatically assumed it was aliens, right? I mean, that's... <laughs> That's what you do. That's what your, where your brain goes automatically back in the 90s. Because uh, there was no internet. There was no smartphones. Um, the only people that had phones at that time were uh, people and managers and uh, CEOs and that type of thing. And I wasn't one of those being so young. So I didn't even have a regular cell phone at the time. So I pulled in uh, the, the, the road, pointed my car to the west. I'm thinking it was going to be aliens. I, I remember about the encounters about how uh, cars and lights and radios do all kinds of crazy things, sometimes turn off entirely when there's an alien ship by. So I purposely left my car running, the radio on, and the, the lights on. And I got out of my, put into this road, got out of my car, and I saw, I noticed that my, shat, my shadow, because um, the moon was behind me, so I noticed the shadow um, that the moon was making of my, myself kind of in front of me. Uh, so it was still a bright, uh, it was night, but it was still bright out from the moon and no wind, um, no clouds at all. Just a really nice night. And I watched light number three as it came towards me. It got bigger and bigger and then it started to get to shape. Um, I'm not sure how many minutes it took. But eventually, this thing got so close to me that I could tell its shape. Um, there was no noise at all from anything other than my, my engine and my car running in the radio. So there was no noise from this object. Um, I want to describe it to you, of course. Um, if you take the stereotypical idea of a raindrop where it's rounded at the, the bottom and it comes to a, it, it comes to a point at the tip. 
you take that and lay it on its side. Um, that was the fuselage of this thing, I guess that's what you would call it. Um, however, it didn't taper to a point as abruptly as this raindrop. It was more of a uniform taper. So the front of it, which I'll call the nose, kind of reminded me of an airplane, um, but it was round and it tapered um, uniformly down to a tip. Um, and it, this thing also had wings on it that swept back at probably about a 45 degree angle, but they were very thick. Uh, they well, they looked to be as thick as the fuselage, almost as thick as the fuselage of this object. Um, as it approached, I noticed that it started to bank a little bit to its, uh, I guess it would be its, its left. So the left side started to dip and the right start, side started to rise up. That's when I saw the tip of its left wing. And I noticed that at the front of this thing, of the object, and at the tip of each wing was a yellow light. And it seemed to shine down about, a th about towards the ground, but about it only reached about a third of the way down from the object to the ground. So it didn't actually reach the ground. It reminded me of spotlights, but not very good ones because it never reached the ground. And they weren't moving, they were stationary. Along the front edge of the of its right wing and i'm assuming it was the same on the left wing because i could only see the tip of the left wing but on the on the leading edge of the wings were four or five lights that also shined yellow but were a different shade they were more bright and they looked they they looked like portholes to me as the best i could describe it um but they were illuminated from within they didn't shine out uh, like your headlights would from a car, like the other three lights on this object, but they seemed to be illuminated from within, like if you turned your interior lights on on your car. Um, they look, they didn't look to be like they were on the edge of the wing, but more like they were embedded into the edge of the wing, if that makes sense. So they reminded me of portholes. Um, this thing was probably 50 feet above me. It was very, very low. Um, it was so low, in fact, that due to the moon shining on it, I could see the, the outside of this object had texture. Um, so it had texture like if you've ever seen a soundproof room, they have these vertical and horizontal or vertical and horizontal squares in the room that alternate. So you have a square that has these vertical ridges and then next to you, you have a square that has horizontal ridges and next to that you have one that has vertical ridges uh, to help absorb the sound. That's the kind of pattern it had all over this object. And the, like I said, the moon was so bright that it shined on the object and it was a dark color. I don't think it was black. It looked more like a very, very dark blue. But this thing um, glided, for lack of a better word, over the top of my car. And it started to bank to its left. And I watched it and turned my head as it flew over my car or glided over my car. 
and at that point um you know i saw the the three lights the tip of at the tip of it and the tip of its wings and then the lights along the wings and the texture and the color i thought well what are the other two lights doing so i turned around to look at the other two lights and they were doing their same pattern i turned back around which was probably two maybe three seconds and the object that had flown over my car had disappeared it was nowhere in sight um I scanned, did a 360 of everything, of everywhere in the sky, trying to find it. And the only thing I saw was the glow of the city of Columbus faintly in the distance, the bright moon behind me, and there was one puffy cotton-like cloud in the sky just kind of drifting. And that was it. So this object flew towards me, flew down over me, banked to its left i gotta see a lot of detail flew over my car and then this this just appeared like out of nowhere i didn't know what to think um wasn't scared or nervous i was kind of dumbfounded just trying to figure out what this thing was i know i got in the car i started to drive back because i remember looking for this third light and it never reappeared on my drive home uh, but I don't remember much after that. Um, I'm thinking this happened on a Friday because I know I didn't go to work for a couple of days. Um, I wasn't into the news or anything like that, so I didn't hear anything on the news. I didn't read the newspaper. And like I said, there was no Internet or smart or cell phones or anything like that. So I went back to work a couple of days later and the objects are in the sky doing the same thing again. Um, three lights doing their three patterns. So I got back into my car that Monday evening or whatever the next day was that evening. And I wanted to try to recreate what happened. So I drove the back road. It was another nice, warm, clear night. And I flashed my lights all the way home like I did and nothing ever happened. Um, the lights stayed there for about three or four, well, maybe two or three more days. And then they just disappeared and I never saw them again. So I thought it was kind of interesting and weird. I didn't know about stealth blimps at the time. Maybe that's what this could have been. But it was odd because I don't know of any blimps that have wings. I thought that was kind of strange. And again, I didn't hear any engine or anything like that. So I really have no idea what it was. So that's my story. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Hi Ryan, my name's Jack, I'm a big fan of Somewhere in the Skies and I've been into UFOs, UAP since I was a kid. Um, I live in Yorkshire, I'm a child of the space age and I grew up watching Jerry Anderson's 1960s TV shows um, like Fireball XF5, Thunderbirds and of course UFO, which I still watch reruns of. As a kid I'd bought a few books on UFOs um, but they're always a disappointment, never any good photos, which was always the first bit I looked for. But I'd had an interest and in read UFO magazines, uh, the one published by Graham and Matt Birdsell, and, uh, which always had interesting stories like the Todmorden PC Godfrey encounter, which I think you mentioned not so long ago. My story is in two parts and is from the summer of 1984, so it's coming up to the anniversary. 
I was visiting my parents who lived in Ripon in North Yorkshire, which is a called a city because it's it's um, not a cathedral, but it's actually a small town. Um, and they ran a, a post office and general store. They were both sensible folk, uh, went to church, and were a key part of the community uh, as the, the post office was the centre of a lot of community life and uh, people going on a regular basis just to have a natter. I used to go over once a month, I lived in Leeds as I say, and um, sometimes helped in the shop. Uh, and I'd arrive on a Friday night and uh, get ready for tea, which is dinner to non-Yorkshire people, and then on this particular occasion, I walked up the stairs and uh, my mum said hello and turned to my dad and said, well, are you going to tell him? So intrigued, I said, what is it? What's happened? Obviously fearing the worst because it sounded important. Anyway, my dad, who was very calm and down to earth, um, got up and picked up a pair of binoculars that they had for bird watching and went over to the large lounge window. They lived above the shop, so it was an elevated position with good views over the trees and into the city. Um, and he, uh, he looked out into the still bright summer sky. As I say, it was around about 7.30, so still very light at that time. He said, uh, here, have a look through these and look over there. And he pointed to a point in the sky. Anyway, I looked through them and suddenly this object came into view. Um, and I had to hold the binoculars steady to focus um, because obviously it was some distance away. Um, and my dad said quietly, it's been up there these last three nights. He said, it just hangs there, doesn't move. And it's there for hours. Can you see it? So um, I looked through and anyway, I saw this large gold coloured globe just hanging in the sky. Um, the best way I could describe it is it was like it was like one of those geodesic domes. So it seemed it was like honeycombed, made up of hexagons or octagons. Um, perfectly circular, perfectly round. Um, so I'm, I'm looking round it to see if I could see any any wire or cord or rope or anything that was suspending it. Um, or, you know, if, if it was a balloon, did it have a basket underneath people in it? Anyway, there was nothing. <clears throat> so my dad said it, it, it appeared one evening and then just kept reappearing and, and literally just hovering, well, hanging in the sky because it, it didn't seem it was moving, it was very static. So we watched it for about 20 minutes, um, completely unmoving. Um, and it seemed to have a glow to it. I mean, the you know, the, the sun was going down, but at sort of 7, 30, 38 o'clock, it still had about two, three hours of life in it um, at this point in summer. So um, it was, it, it, it looked like it had a light inside it. Not a spotlight, but just like a glow. And as I'm watching it, um, after about 30 minutes, it just vanished. Um, and I thought I'd just lost the point in the sky where it was at, but it was nowhere to be found. It, like it just shot off and disappeared. And that was it. So next day I checked the papers and watched the TV news, but there were no reports. Um, 
and 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 and, and thinking back as I watched it, look, it, it seemed to be about thirty to forty feet across, but there were no markings or fittings or engine, so I had no idea what it was. But the, the facts that it had been stationary made me think, you know, maybe it was reconnaissance or or something. God knows. Um, but looking at it felt exciting and thrilling um, and, and I was kind of elated looking at it um, especially as my dad who's down to earth as they come you know, just solid Yorkshireman very no nonsense he, he saw the same thing and he, had, he didn't have a clue what it was so um, anyway life life moved on um, and then I went went over a couple of months later sort of been August and um, as I walked in my mum's like have you told him have you told are you going to tell him then and my dad's like what no no I said he's just come in so she said well tell him because he wants to know so I'm like what is it now so because they're at a general store, they took deliveries on a daily basis from the baker um, with the bread and pies, etc. And the milkman who bring the uh, milk, eggs and uh, yogurts and things like that. Um, the milkman was called, um, we'll call him Fred. I mean, he's, he's, he'll, be, he'll be dead and gone by now. Uh, he was a local guy, he's mid-70s, been around a long, long time. Drove a really old flatbed truck. Um, and he used to deliver to the post office about 5.15 so my dad would be up and ready anyway on this particular day he opened the door to find Fred in a proper state he was shaking barely able to stand pale you know this is a, a ruddy faced Yorkshireman who spends most of his time outside but he said he was pale as white as a sheep so my dad said what's up Fred have you had an accident and Fred just groaned and my dad helped him inside to sit down and get himself together um, and, and my dad had trouble persuading him to talk anyway finally my dad said um, apparently it was it was dawn was just breaking so it would be four-ish or something like that um, and he got the milk and he was going to, I think, to his, his first drop off so this was about get on for five and as usual on hot summer's mornings there's a lot of fog around and the country's pretty flat but lots of little back roads uh, known over here as C roads A road is a motorway B road you know normal dual carriageway C road it's virtually a dirt track and um, you'd ruin your car driving on it anyway um it was it it got his it's got his milk in the back of the wagon. He's driving along down into a dip and in the distance you can see a car coming. So as common practices around in the countryside, you, you look for the widest part of the road, you slow down and um, and flash your headlights and let the guy come past and then you drive on careful carefully, uh, making sure you don't hit it or scratch him obviously. Um, so this is what Fred did pulled into into the hedge left the room flashed his lights nothing so he's waiting and um, 
he said, yeah, it's completely in fog. He said, you could barely see your, your hand in front of your eyes. And uh, so he waited again. He flashed his car, flashed his lights, waited. Anyway, flashed them again for a third time. Anyway, next thing, these two lights just go straight up in the air and come towards him and go over the car. Now it's, like I say, it's thick fog, but it's absolutely silent. He said, I couldn't hear a thing. There was no birds going, there was nothing. And he said, I couldn't hear an engine or, or, or anything like that. So, um, he was absolutely petrified. But anyway, he finally got out of the van and looked up, but it had gone. Anyway, he noticed the roof of the wagon, um, where, which had had early morning frost, was all melted by whatever had passed over him. Um, and my dad said he, he couldn't believe what he'd seen. He said he was in an absolute proper state. Um, and he just said, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't believe what I saw. So, um, after that, my dad didn't see him for a long time. Um, I checked the papers again, but there were no other reports. So, following those those incidents, I started reading up on the subject, and a few, a few years later, bought what I think is an outstanding book called Above Top Secret um, by one of the first renowned researchers in the field called Tim Good. Really, really excellent book. It's like the Bible of the history of UFOs. I'd advise anybody with an interest should get it. Anyway, within that, it detailed that the, the area around Ripon had uh, quite a few UFO visits in the past, um, particularly to RAF bases, one at the top of cliff, which is just five miles away. I think they had something hovering over the flight line. And one at RAF, RAF Leeming, which I believe um, pilots saw a craft or something as they were coming into land. Um, so it's relatively... Uh, I wouldn't say a hot spot, but things that have been known to happen around there before. Um, obviously, there's lots of other stories associated with Yorkshire, um, which I always took an interest in. But um, I bought a further book by Tim Good, um, I think called Alien Update. It was a paperback this time. And um, reading through it, and it was a story of a sighting in London, and somebody had done a drawing, and the drawing was identical to the thing that I saw which was a honeycombed, large globe, um, self-illuminated, self that had just been hanging there. So um, maybe I wasn't the only person who saw it. Um, that's my story. Um, it doesn't seem very sensational, but you kind of had to be there. Um, and it's always changed the way that I think about things. Um, convinced the real. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I think anybody who has got an interest, um, if you just see the the absolute torrent of clips that people film and post and, you know, Twitter or Instagram, YouTube, I don't think there's any getting away from the facts that, that there's something out there. 
particularly with the uh, the latest revelations from uh, in in in, uh, in America. So I'm hoping that there'll finally be an admittance and confirmation that uh, it's real, and then we can go about the business of uh, changing the way we think about things. Hopefully, um, energy production will change, um, and maybe we'll, you know, we'll save the planet. Anyway, here's hoping and. Uh, Keep your feet on the ground, keep looking at the stars. See you later. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.